0: Last week we also began a new series of messages, and so if you missed the kind of the intro message last week and you want to go and see it, you can always do that on our Facebook live video page or you can go to the podcast and actually hear it, it's up there. Uh, The series of messages we are starting this week is on the very practical topic of our emotions, our emotions, I should say we're continuing it this week, we started it last week, But, but what are our emotions, what are they? Why did God give them to us? Uh, How do we engage them in the right way so that, that they might do the job that God intended for them to do in our lives? And last week we learned that one of the main reasons that God has given us emotions is that they shine a very bright spotlight on some things that are going on in our hearts in terms of our values in terms of our priorities, in terms of our loves, what we what we worship, even what is important to us, and and we found out, and of course it's pretty obvious, really, that the more important something is to us, the more likely it is to generate strong emotions within us, one way or the other. This week, um, I want to look at another important reason we have emotions, and this has to do with our relationships. Our relationships. We're going to see how our emotions help us to connect with one another and certainly that's true of our, our closest relationships and our family but it's also especially true in the body of christ the church and we'll see that uh, there is a tv show that i used to watch a lot of um, and i don't know if anyone here was into watching it uh, but but did, you, did anyone remember the show wipeout anybody used to watch wipeout when it came out we watched it like all the time um, i don 't know what that says about us, but, but the, you, see, you can still see wipeout on you know, cable reruns. And the idea was that they would put these people through an obstacle course, and you 'd get to watch them slip and fall from great heights into the soapy water below you 'd get to watch them get get knocked off of platforms by giant balls and, and, and run into moving obstacles face first and While this happened, these two kind of comedian guys would were making clever jokes about it the whole time, and while these people suffered this pain and humiliation. And the show was very popular, because people found it hilarious to watch people fall down and get hurt, and they still do. There are whole streaming channels out there devoted to what we call epic fails, where people fall down and they get hurt in all sorts of crazy mishaps. And it didn't used to be like this, but today, if, if, in, in our world, if, if, if people see somebody about to do something really stupid... Rather than warn them not to do it, they take out their phone because here's an opportunity, right? That's, that's kind of how we feel today. We love watching this kind of stuff, but let me ask you this. What if one of those people getting knocked around on that show and beaten up was somebody that you knew very well? Would that change your emotional response to seeing those things happen? Now, you might say, well, that depends. Do I like the person or not, Right? Well, let's, either way, it's probably going to mean more to you, but if, if, you, if you, let's say you happen to be close to this person and you happen to be good friends and you watch them going through this obstacle course and being knocked around and hit and, and, and abused bodily and everything, you're going to experience more of an emotional response. You're going to feel their pain more. You're going to maybe worry even a little bit about what's happening to them because when you have a relationship with somebody, you are much more likely to have an emotional reaction to something that they experience. It just, that's just the way we are. This came home to me in a big way when, when Dawn was giving birth to our first child. Um, as I have mentioned before, when I was in college, I had a number of summer jobs that, were, that took place in a hospital environment, and so I have seen a lot of blood, I've seen a lot of injuries, I've seen people's internal organs, I've seen all sorts of crazy stuff, and I am not really squeamish at all when it comes to, to that kind of thing. And I'm not going to get too graphic here, even though Dawn's in Children's Church, you'll find out. But, but when, when Dawn reached a certain point in her labor and her discomfort, as they call it, they never called it pain. Notice that, ladies? It's always just discomfort. When her discomfort was strong enough to require an epidural The anesthesiologist asked me if I would just hold her up in a sitting position so that he could stick that big needle in her back. And as I did this, I suddenly got very lightheaded and queasy, and for a minute, I thought I was gonna pass out. And I'm thinking, I've been through, I've seen way worse than this. You know, probably a hundred times. Why is this happening to me? you know why? Not because of the labor, not because of the big needle, but because it was her. Because this was Dawn. This was my wife. This was flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. And seeing her in this helpless and painful situation that she was in and watching that needle inserted into her back was almost like experiencing it myself. Almost. (laughs) Got to be careful there. But you know what? This this unexpected emotional response is not a big surprise because feelings and intimacy, emotion, emotion, and relationship always go hand in hand. In particular, our ability to share our emotions is very much tied to the intimacy of our relationships. And this goes both ways. So the closer we are with someone, the more we will feel their emotions. And the more we share emotions with one another, the closer we will become. Think about it, who are the people in your life that you will openly share feelings with when you have them? Who are those people? almost by definition, those are your most meaningful relationships. And there's a principle in God's word that affirms and explains this truth, especially in the context of the local church, the people that you're sitting around here, your body of Christ here at First Alliance, the local church. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Probably a very familiar um, chapter to a lot of you. It's, It's about the church. And I'm going to look at the first of two passages that we'll refer to today. The other one, Roy, really just in passing when it comes to this issue. First Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 20. Paul says this to the church at Corinth. He says, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now I read a bunch of verses there to give you the context. Often we read these verses about the church, the local church, the body of Christ. And we we think, well, what these tell us is that everybody has a job to do. And that's true. What they tell us is that we are all equally important and equally valuable to the group. And that's true. But we don't often dwell on The principle that is found in verse 26 which says this if one member suffers all suffer together if one member is honored all rejoice together but the principle underlying this is way back in verse 12 look at verse 12 for just as the body is one and as many members and all the members of the body though many are one body so it is with christ it also says it down in the last verse we read verse 27 now you are the body of christ and individually members of it we suffer together and rejoice together why because we're one body. Because we're one body. This is kind of like a cousin of that husband-wife relationship that I was alluding to earlier. There's a unity. There is a, there's a, a, a oneness, or there's supposed to be a oneness in the church that the Bible pictures by the phrase, one body. And that's a close relationship. One body. I have a bad habit um, when I am putting dishes away in the kitchen of leaving some of the cabinet doors open while I'm doing it. On on occasion, I have paid a big price for that habit. Because when I come up from, from leaning over the dishwasher or picking something up off the floor and I bang my head really hard into the corner of that open cabinet door, you know what I don't do? I don't say, oh, I have just banged my head on the cabinet door. Silly me. I should be more careful next time. No, I don't do that. The response is more intense. It's more visceral than that, right? It involves my whole body. My one hand reaches up in anger to slam the cabinet door. My other hand reaches up to rub my aching head. My feet start walking around the kitchen in a random pattern, I guess to burn off the excess energy. My mouth starts to utter words expressing my feelings, hopefully under the immediate influence of the Holy Spirit. But the point is that the, the whole body gets involved because the head cannot handle the pain on its own. But that's okay because when the head got hurt, guess what? The whole body got hurt. Paul tells us here in 1 Corinthians 12 that when we get saved, when we put our faith in Christ and come in to the body of Christ, we already have that unity. We already have it. It's already built in. It is a spiritual reality. The Holy Spirit makes it happen when he baptizes us into the body of Christ. Verse 13. We affirm this whenever we receive new members at First Alliance, which we'll do again next week. One of the things that I always ask the congregation, because I have you all stand up as well, and I'll ask you as part of the membership vows: Do you commit to share these these new people? Do you commit to share their lives in both joy and pain? And then typically, you all say, "We do." But you see, the reality is, we are already one body. God has made us that, but what we need to do is to learn to live into that reality. We need to learn to apply that reality to our lives and to live like that, and the Spirit helps us do that as well. And that's why in the companion passage, which I want to ask you to turn there, but over in Romans 12, Paul starts talking about different ways that love must be sincere, and, and, and he turns it from a principle into a command. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice, and then he says, weep with those who weep. And that's not always easy, it's not easy because in the first place, we don't really know each other all that well sometimes, right? I mean, let's face it, if, if, if the people that you're going to more, more openly share your heart with and your emotions with are the people that you know pretty intimately, then if we're supposed to be one body in the body of Christ, then we probably should take some time to get to know each other, right? Right? And I know that that can be difficult. I know it can be hard. And that might happen in in Sunday school, a small group environment. You might take somebody out to lunch. You might hang out with them sometime during the week. It happens a little bit on Sunday morning, but maybe not a whole lot. But this is a family here. And one of the things we need to do is get to know each other. You can't get to know 300 different people, but you can get to know 40 or 50 pretty well. And you can get to know, know 11 or 12 really well. But another reason it's hard is because in our flesh... In our flesh, our response to the emotional pain of another person is sometimes to kind of back away and protect ourselves because we don't like pain. We don't like unpleasantness. We don't like to get involved with something that might be overwhelming to us or threatening to our emotional stability. Well, let's be honest, just take too much of our time. On the other hand, if another believer expresses joy or excitement, sometimes what our flesh wants to do is react with envy and jealousy, right? Because after all, why didn't that happen to us? But the Holy Spirit, all that time, is inside of us saying, hey, hey, that person over there, that's your arm. That's your eye. That's, that's your ankle over there. And as much as that happened to your brother or sister, it happened to you because you really are one body. That is a spiritual reality. And there's another reality that's related to that, and it's simply that we need one another. We absolutely need one another, and our emotions are an area where that particularly shows up. One thing we are repeatedly told to do over and over again in the New Testament is to encourage one another, to encourage one another. And that word encourage has so many different shades of meaning. That Greek word parakaleo literally means to, to be called alongside somebody so when you have a strong emotion you are intensely angry or you are deeply depressed or you are overly anxious and fearful about something or even when you're genuinely joyful and excited about something in effect you are carrying a burden i want you to picture it as a big log that you need to pick up but you can only lift one part of it you can't lift the whole thing and so a brother or sister who wants to encourage you will come by and he or she will pick up the other side of the log and you can carry it together. And they do that very often by entering into the emotion that you're feeling and feeling it along with you or at least helping you kind of clarify that emotion that you're feeling and put it into perspective. So one, one, one Christian might encourage another Christian by offering to talk about it. To talk about what he or she is feeling. Ask some questions. You know, It seems like you're really not yourself today. You might not be okay. Am I, am I reading that right? Or, or, or do you have you know, something you want to talk about? Are you really okay? It's okay to ask somebody that. Take someone out for a cup of coffee. Maybe just sit silently along with a brother or sister you know is hurting so that they're not going to be sitting in a dark room by themselves. Or pick up the phone and make the call. These are ways to pick up at least part of that burden and carry it together. But ultimately the goal here is really to share the emotion itself, to really be compassionate, to truly weep with the one who is weeping and and rejoice with the one who's joyful. And some of us maybe are more gifted or more inclined toward that than others, but we're all called to do it in the body of Christ. This is a powerful way that we learn to love one another, Paul says. It expresses true Christian love and it builds intimacy in our relationships. And, and just to get under, the, under the, uh, the, the surface of this a little bit, let me tell you one reason why. Remember last week we talked about emotions? We talked about how our emotions, our feelings, are an expression of what is happening in our hearts. They tell us what we love, what we worship, what we value, what's important to us. Well, if you share one of those emotions, one of those feelings with me, you're actually sharing something that's very precious to you. You're you're sharing something with me about the insides of your heart, something that's important to you, the deepest part of you. And if I come alongside you and I feel that emotion along with you, I'm telling you two things. First, I am validating who you are because I'm saying, you know what? What's important to you is important to me. But then I'm going even farther than that. I'm also saying you, you yourself are important to me. Here's a real simple example with, maybe this is with a positive emotion instead of a negative one, but let's say you're a parent and you're a parent of elementary school kids and, and your son comes tearing into the house one Saturday afternoon after his soccer game and he's full of excitement. And he says, mom, dad, guess what? What? We just beat the first place team six to one and we get to go to the championship next week. What if dad responds by saying, "Cool. How did you do? Did you score any goals?" And then mom says, "That's great. Make sure to take off those cleats before you get on the carpet. And for goodness sake, take those smelly shin guards and throw them down the basement." Right? What just happened? Mom and dad both missed the chance to connect by sharing the joy of going to the championship game, which is what he was really excited about, and and they failed to value what was truly important to their son, and they missed a chance to affirm how much they value him. What if, instead, they had dropped what they were doing, they had forgotten about the carpet stains and the need for their kids' individual achievement, and they had shared his excitement about the championship game, even for a couple of minutes? It would mean the world. This kind of affirmation is important In all of our relationships it's very important in the marriage relationship those of us who have worked with couples any length of time have had the experience of hearing one spouse tell another spouse usually a wife tell the husband but not always that way the spouse will say i just don't feel loved let's say it's the wife comes out and says i just don't feel loved and the husband might say how can you say that i will tell you that i love you all the time I work hard to provide for you. I sacrifice other things so that I can spend time with you. I help around the house. What else can I do? What's missing? Well, the answer is there's very little emotional connection. We are not sharing with one another what is going on in our hearts. I can't tell you how many times that I have been counseling a couple and then one spouse kind of goes off and starts talking about what's going on in the marriage or in in, in his or her life or whatever and I will say, stop! Stop! And I will turn to the other spouse and I will say, did you just hear that? Yeah, I heard it. No, no, did, not the content, not the reasons. Did you just hear what she said with her heart? Did you, did you just hear what came from inside of her? Did you realize that there's something else here? What, what did you just hear from the insides? What value, what deeply held belief, what fear, what anger, what hope, what, what emotion is at the bottom of what you just heard, even though he or she didn't say it? You see, a lot of us are good at reasoning things out and making an intellectual connection with other people. And we, we communicate, as it were, mind to mind. And that's okay, that's good. We need to communicate like that. We need to relate like that. But a lot of us, especially, but not exclusively us men, are more comfortable relating at that level. And that's why when somebody asks us how we feel about something, we'll usually answer by telling them what we think about that thing. We'll come back with some reasonable opinion. But our thoughts and opinions, you see, they're different than our feelings. Our thoughts and our opinions are are usually more processed. They're more rehearsed. We've kind of planned them out a little bit more. They're more filtered. Whereas our emotions are more visceral. They're more spontaneous. They're more unfiltered. And so they are anchored at a deeper place within us, closer to the heart. Closer to who we really are. So God, God has given us these troublesome things called emotions as a way to connect one with one another more deeply at that level, heart to heart. And there's something else we need to understand. God is willing to connect with us at that level as well, at that heart level. And he knows that our emotions even the painful and seemingly unreasonable ones, because emotions are unreasonable a lot of the time, right? Even those emotions are valid and they're real. And God knows that and he will go there with us. One of the greatest emotional and completely, really unreasonable displays that takes place in the whole Bible is when the prophet Elijah is coming off a great spiritual victory, probably the, 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 the high point of his life. Elijah has had this great spiritual victory where he had this contest against the prophets of Baal, and, and, and he won, well, God won, and Elijah was, and, and, and there was a big revival, really, and all sorts of great stuff happened, and, and he was on top of the world, you would think. But then he gets his life directly threatened by the powerful and evil queen Jezebel. And Elijah responds not by standing up to her, but just by running away. He just runs away from life, which is odd because he really seemed to have the upper hand. But it seems like Elijah's faith just falls apart. And he just gives up and he runs off into the desert. He is suffering from a nasty combination of fear and depression. And it may not be reasonable, but it's real. And God is eventually gonna deal with that. God is eventually gonna straighten out Elijah's thinking. God's gonna give him a job to do. God's gonna get him back in the action. But before God does any of that, here's what he says to Elijah first. He says, Elijah, the journey is too much for you. The journey is too much for you. Isn't it awesome that we have a God that will say that to people? The journey is too much for you. Even though you're not thinking straight, Don't you love that God will still say that to you? He understands. He he knows when our emotions are overwhelming us and he is willing to pick up the other side of the log. In fact, God does even more than that. Isaiah 53 verse four says this. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. These verses are, of course, you probably know they're a prophecy about Jesus and what he did. The word griefs, where it says he's born our griefs, the word grief there is actually the word that's usually used for sickness. And while that is clearly a metaphor for sin, because later we find out that his stripes, taking our punishment, is what heals those griefs, yet we in the alliance have also embraced the literal meaning of that word as well, that Jesus in his atoning death somehow deals with our sickness as well as our sin. And we talk about that word a lot, but sometimes we don't talk so much about the second word, sorrows, He carried our sorrows. That refers to our mental anguish and our emotional pain. And the Bible says that Jesus carried them. And the word for carry there in the Hebrew is the word for carrying a burden. It's the word that we would use for carrying the other side of the log as we've described it. Although you could say that Jesus really lifted up the whole log, taking upon himself all the burden for our depression, our anxiety, our grief, our despair, our confusion, our fear, and our emotional pain. See, Jesus didn't just show up on the scene to solve the problem. Jesus didn't didn't come down and say, okay, I've got a job to do, let's go, nail me to that cross and we'll be done with it. No, Jesus took the time and he made the effort to actually connect with us at a heart level, to share our emotions and to feel them in his own heart. This is part of what makes him more than just a savior jesus is also an intimate friend what a friend we have in jesus all our sins and griefs to bear jesus has let his guard down with us and and that's what gives us the security and the courage to actually let our guard down with one another and we can starting next week we're going to be talking about some specific emotions uh, how we experience them, what they do to us, and then how to engage them in the right way. But as you can imagine, part of this is going to involve helping one another in our families, in our marriages, in our friendships, and here in the body of Christ at, at FAC. And, and some of us, all of us really, I think, have a lot to learn here. You know, maybe it's just a matter for some of us of having the courage to express our emotions so that other people can really hear our hearts. For some of us, it's like trying to figure out what our emotions really are so that we can even try to have the courage to express them so other people can hear our hearts. Maybe it's having the love and the patience to listen to another person and to listen not just to the content of what you are hearing or the reasons, but to try to listen for that person's heart, what's really going on underneath. And maybe for a lot of us, it's just the need to get out of our comfort zone and to reach out and to get to know some of the people around you. Some of the people that are part of the very same body as you because you, you just can't share emotions with people you don't know. To deepen the relationships to the point where you might one day share at a deeper level. Because it's hard to, to really connect heart to heart as the Bible calls us to do it if, if we really aren't living into that one body idea but oh how powerful it is when we do let's pray